Hello and welcome to YHTV's nominated show, Magical Medical Tour. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. How are you? Fantastic. Yes. I'm excited. You know that. Uh, yes, I could see you're <laughs> bouncing already, and we haven't even started anything. We haven't greeted everyone yet, and you're already excited. Of course, of course, because I know who our guest is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's a new year, and many things have happened. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman. I will be your medical guide uh, along with Christina as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy searching for optimal health. And as Christina has already alluded, we have a great guest with us, a returning uh, champion, Kathy Groover. Uh, just to let you know, she was also in episode, episodes 58 and 63. So those of you that are watching today and enjoy this show, you should uh, check on those. There was a lot of great information from Kathy at that time. Kathy is a doctor of natural healing. She's a licensed massage therapist, a Reiki master. She's an award-winning author. She has a national television show and so many other things that we're going to talk about today. And we decided we're going to talk about natural healing with Kathy. So before we start, I would like to take one moment to thank all of our listeners and viewers and everyone that helped us and supported us during the year last year and this year. We just got back from the uh, ninth annual podcast awards, uh, and uh, we had a great time there. We did not win, I must say, but it was a win for all of us anyway. We were very happy about being there and meeting with a lot of people and learning a lot of great things and looking forward to another year of great broadcasts. Absolutely. We'll be back again next year. You know that, right, Glenn? I'm already thinking that. <laughs> uh, d should we tell people how to get in touch with us today? Uh, we can. <laughs> well, um, so anytime, if you have a question or a comment, please uh, be sure to type it into the comment box there on your screen or, or give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK, 818-LET'S-TALK. And we will definitely get your message uh, to our speaker, or our guest, or Dr. Woolman, and we will definitely get back to you. Now, if you give us a call on the line, be sure to leave us your contact information so that we can get back to you and we know how to contact you back with um, the questioner, the answers that you you uh, are needing, and uh, we will keep be sure to follow up. Thank you, Glenn. Oh, you're welcome, Christina. Uh, Kathy, as the medical guide, as you know already, since we've done a number of shows together, I like to give our viewers and uh, future listeners uh, kind of a path that we're going to take today. So first, I, I want to get into the whole concept of natural healing. We hear so much about these days. I want to learn about it. I want to know your definition of it. And then I want to break it down a little where natural healing falls into all of medicine and all of health, the whole spectrum. And then maybe uh, we'll get into a few common ailments that people have and how natural healing might be able to help them. How does that sound to you? Sounds great. Let's go. Let's go. I love that when you say that. So for me, you know, when I first think of natural healing, the first thing that comes to my mind as a physician is that's what the body does. It heals itself naturally. It has all of these programs in it, the immune system and healing system and, and 
plotting systems, a number of other systems. And I think those are the nat- the first form of natural healing. So as a doctor of natural healing, please tell us, what do you see as natural healing? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I completely agree with you. And one of the tenets of natural healing is if we give the body what it needs, if we put it in the correct environment, then it is going to be able to heal itself. And that includes things like nutrition, water, elimination, exercise, stress reduction. Natural healing encompasses all of those things, whether it's an herb or a homeopathic or um, air, fasting, cleansing, using different aspects of nutrition. And natural healing has become very um, sort of interchangeable with alternative medicine and complementary alternative medicine and integrative medicine. And we have all these terms now, but I think we're basically getting to the same root, no pun intended, which is giving the body what it needs to heal on its own. And, And I think that works well you know, in combination with Western medicine, sometimes to the exclusion of it, sometimes to the inclusion of it. But it's one of those things that I encourage people to try because it's usually gentle and and oftentimes without any side effects or risk. So to me, it's one of the first steps we can take towards better health. And this is this is something that a person can do on their own, or do they need to go to a doctor of natural healing? It just depends on what you're looking for. Um, you know, um, I used to be really into herbs, and I learned, you know, the more I learned about herbs, you are reminded that just because they're natural doesn't mean they're without risk. So if you want to really get in-depth into taking herbs or Ayurvedic medicine, you know, there are people that specialize in that. Um, There are things you can certainly do on your own, you know, get a good multivitamin. That's considered natural healing, making sure you're eating a good diet, exercising. So it really takes into uh, personal responsibility of that self-care aspect. And then if you want to bring in a professional to help guide you, that's, that's totally great and, and sometimes recommended, again, depending on whatever modality you want to use. Okay, so I, I want to see where natural healing comes into play in terms of the spectrum of health. I look at uh, a person's life, they start out in the uterus usually, and then they have a birth. <laughs> then they go, th- assuming they're relatively healthy at that time, they're a healthy person. Some point, an injury or an illness can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have either a healing process or you have something that doesn't heal completely and it becomes a chronic issue. Then you have dying and death. So that, mm-hmm. that to me is the spectrum of all of our life. When I worked in emergency medicine, I was clearly in the aspect of critical care, critical injuries, critical illness. Uh, so where does natural healing come into all that? Can, does it play in all of those areas? Yes, I think it absolutely plays in all of those areas. And I mean, one of the, the best simple examples is, you know, you get a cut on your finger and our first inclination is to, you know, you want to wash it off. You want to put some maybe antibacterial cream or antibiotic cream, and then you want to wrap it up in a Band-Aid. And to me, you know, that's one option, but the other option is wash it well get it exposed to air and sunlight. Uh, Sunlight is amazingly healing. And I had ended up with a staph infection in my finger. And my doctor said, don't keep it wrapped. Put it out in the sun. 
let it be exposed to that air because that's going to help heal it. And sometimes I think we go to, and that's a very simple example, but sometimes I think we go to an extreme of wanting to protect ourselves rather than actually letting nature do its job. The skin has a skin is just amazing to me. It keeps stuff in, it keeps stuff out. It, you know, you can cut it and it heals, it stretches, it's elastic, it's porous. It's, it's so phenomenal. And that's one of those amazing abilities that the body has to heal. If again, we put it in the right environment to do so. So I completely agree. I mean, natural healing, you know, can help you with conception. It can help you through the birth process. It definitely helps you through injuries, whether it's acute or chronic problems. And then, you know, there's, there's debates about what is a natural way to die and palliative care and things like that. So I think just like Western medicine uh, can jump into any aspect of our lives, I think natural medicine has a place in all those, in all those stages as well. I want to go back to something you said. Uh, I'm assuming, I'm making the assumption when you had the staph infection, you went to a Western healer. Is that an incorrect statement? No, or? that is a very that is a very correct statement because I knew what that was and I went, I need antibiotics now. <laughs> okay, but, the, but so then you said the, but then yes. you said that that Western healer actually did some natural healing for you. Yep, I took the very powerful antibiotic, which made me very ill for about 10 days. And that's again where natural healing came in, because it made me incredibly nauseous. And, you know, I stand all day for a living. As a massage therapist, I'm pretty much on my feet all day. Every time I would stand for longer than 10 or 15 minutes, I would start to feel nauseous again and want to sit down or lie down. That's not going to work. I can't take 10 days off work because I feel a little bit nauseated. So what I was doing is I discovered the one thing that was helping my nausea was vinegar. Hmm. So I was, there's a, a gentleman down the street that has these amazing Greek salads and I was hungry one day and I grabbed that and I was eating and I realized that was the first time all week my nausea had gone away. So I kept apple cider vinegar in my office. I would have one of his salads pretty much all day long. I would just munch on it. And if I wasn't in a place where I could stop and have a bite of salad, I would take a little bit of apple cider vinegar and it totally got rid of my nausea. So I went the Western route of taking the antibiotics because as much as I'm pro-natural healing, I had a really bad staph infection, and those can kill you. So I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I'm going to take the antibiotics. Um, but I also did expose it to sun. I was putting liquid oxygen on it. I was doing Reiki on it. I was visualizing. I was doing the vinegar. To me, that's that great combination where the integrative aspect of all of these modalities can come together, and I feel like I sped my healing, and I healed quicker and more fully because I went to all the tools in my toolbox. Oh, that's great. I, you know, I've gone through all of those alternative, integrative, complementary. I now call it for myself combinatorial medicine, where it's combinations of all different types of things. And let's talk about, let's talk about that interface for a minute, how someone finds the interface between say natural healing and acupuncture or natural healing in Western medicine or natural healing and chiropractic. Uh, where do you look and see the, the interfaces happening and how do you know and recommend that it's time to go to an interface? Yeah, to me, for me personally, my first step is I head to natural medicine first. Um, I know enough about West, you know, I know enough about the body and medicine to look at my finger and go, it's time to go to a doctor. Um, acupuncture wasn't going to fix that. Chiropractic wasn't going to fix that. So you have to be smart about the choices you're making. But my first stop 
nine times out of 10 is my chiropractor. He keeps me standing up. I'd be laying in a hospital bed somewhere <laughs> if I was not seeing him on a weekly basis um, or my massage therapist. Um, and also just because I have such a knowledge of all the different modalities, that's the advantage of, you know, when I was studying for my PhD and when I did my, my doctorate as a traditional naturopath first, I learned about all these different choices, everything from Ayurveda and mind-body medicine, all the different types of oriental medicine. So, you know, I, I have this, um, this buffet of options that I've already learned so I can pick and choose, okay, I need this for this. Not everyone has that advantage, but I see a lot of people, you know, chiropractic, chiropractic is considered so mainstream now. So is acupuncture. And at least until a couple weeks ago, both of those were covered by a lot of insurance. I don't know what the new regulations are on that. So I see these natural medicine modalities really coming into mainstream and integrating more and combining more. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. So, you know, I really just analyze what's happening in my body. And then I look at the toolbox and say, okay, what do I need? I turn to homeopathics quite a bit as well. That's one of my go-to, um, go-to tools, not so much herbs anymore. I've really gotten away from using herbs. And, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you my, my, my very funny uh, first herbal story, if you want to hear um, a bonehead move by Kathy. <laughs> you don't want to save that as a health tip? Uh, no. <laughs> Not yes, a tip. No, it's just really let's, stupid. Uh, let's go into our new category today of bonehead moves by people we interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I, when I first moved to California, you know, I was living in Pittsburgh where I didn't really have access to herbs. There wasn't a a local herb shop I could go to. And when I moved to California to pursue my acting career, I lived in North Hollywood. And right down the street from me, there was this awesome bulk herb store. And I was so excited about it. And I didn't know much about herbs except, quote, they can't hurt you. They're natural. Yeah, very bad idea. (laughs) So I go to this herb store and of course they can't prescribe things. So I flip through the herb book, which, you know, they would hand you and basically say, go for it. And I was having really bad sinus issues. And I read in this book that horseradish was really great for sinus problems. So I got myself a quarter of a pound of powdered (laughs) horseradish. Okay, now I didn't know what horseradish was. I didn't grow up in a house where we had anything other than Heinz ketchup. So horseradish, I didn't know what that was. So I get this powdered horseradish home and I've got a capsule maker and I make capsules of the powdered horseradish. And I turned to my then boyfriend and I said how many of these should I take? And he goes, I don't know. What's the book say? So the book didn't say. So I took four capsules of powdered horseradish and I swallowed them and my stomach got set on fire and I started yelling and he (laughs) brought me a gallon of milk and I literally in one, it's like a frat party, in one fell swoop, I killed off this entire gallon of milk because it was the only thing that would stop the horrible burning in my stomach. He had to go to the store and get me more milk. I mean, literally for the next two or three hours, I could not function. I had tears streaming down my face from all this horseradish Mm. because I didn't know what it was. And I thought, well, it's natural. It can't hurt me, right? So a couple days later, after I recovered from that, I thought, oh, well, I probably just took too much. I'll only take two capsules this time. no. (laughs) Lots of milk, lots of pain, lots of, yeah. So, um... So did it cure the allergies? (laughs) I don't even know. I couldn't even tell. It cured me of, it cured me of ignorance. Um, No, it really did because 
I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And, you know, there was no Google. There was no WebMD. There was no Herb.com. We didn't have access to those sorts of things. And it was just so hysterical because I thought I was this, you know, queen of natural health. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And that's one of the, you know, one of the cautions I give people is, you know, you see it in the store, you assume it's safe, um, Mm -hmm. you just take a whole bunch of it thinking you're going to be fine, and there are things that can interact. Uh, You know, St. John's wort, which is a very common herb for mild depression, can negate the effects of the birth control pill. Most Mm. people don't know that. So your depression goes away until the pregnancy test comes back, and then there's a whole (laughs) different life choice you're making. You know, so you just, you really want to be aware and do your research of what you're putting in your body, or else you're going to, you're going to end up crying in North Hollywood after drinking a gallon of milk, and no one wants that. (laughs) So I just want to make clear to our listening audience that uh, don't use horseradish to treat your ignorance, (laughs) even though there seems to be some uh, cause and effect there. (laughs) <laughs> it worked. Uh, you know, I want to get back to uh, herbs and spices in a few moments, but before we do that, you did bring up an important point about uh, still talking about all of the different types of healing modalities, and you have the knowledge, just like I have the knowledge of when when acupuncture might work or massage might work. What about the person who doesn't have all of this knowledge? How do they make those decisions? Yeah, it's really tough, and I see more and more of that. Uh, you know, I've got a, a family member right now who's got really, really bad uh, back issues, and he's running to get a cortisone injection. And mm. I know it's a muscle thing. I know that, honestly, that I think I could fix it, um, but that's not his reality. And I have clients that have gone through, you know, multiple medical procedures before they come to me as a massage therapist. And I think had they mm. come to me first... I would have been able to help them, but now after multiple injections and multiple surgeries, and it's really hard to to do something natural when you've already done stuff that's unnatural. Um, so to me, unless it's life-threatening, you know, you've got a gunshot wound, please don't come to me for a homeopathic. I'm going to send you to the ER. If it's a staph infection, please go get an antibiotic. You know, we have to be, we have to be smart about it, but I think we, um, so much in the society, run to the quick fix the uh, most extreme scenario rather than looking at how we can help cure things naturally or heal things naturally. Uh, so, you know, talk to people, uh, explore natural options. And the, the downside of that is if it's not your reality to explore natural options, you wouldn't think to explore natural options. So, you know, it's about education and letting people know that these things are out there. And I get so many calls from clients now of, hey, I think da 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 is going on. What should I do? And I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't prescribe, I don't diagnose, but I can at least act as a guide to help them make the best decision for them. And there's been numerous times I've sent clients for an MRI, hey, you better go to your doctor, Mm, I think it's your thyroid, why don't you go get get that checked? Um, You know, there are limits to what natural medicine can do, and especially, you know, I I so admire Western medicine's diagnostic system. You can get a blood test, you can get an x-ray, you can get an MRI, my x-ray vision isn't working for the last couple of years. So, you know, if I want to see what's going on inside you, you know, I want to send you to the doctor and have them investigate that. And then if you want to go natural from there, at least we know what we're dealing with. Um, so I think to the, ex- I don't think we can exclude either one. I think it really has to be a combination. Yes, I think so. Also, that's why uh, I do a lot of that in my medical guiding. I would advise you that maybe you should look around your house for kryptonite. <laughs> 
that might be the reason that your <laughs> x-ray vision is not working. I, I think the horseradish took it from me. I think that's what it <laughs> could be. Well, you know, maybe a homeopathic dose of horseradish will bring it back. Did I just say yeah, horseradish? Be- <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have to talk like that the entire rest of the show now. Horseradish. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think that would be a really good idea. Um, that's one of the reasons that we do this show, by the way, is to educate people and give them opportunities to learn about people like yourself and chiropractors and acupuncturists and everyone else. Uh, Magical Medical Tour and uh, you know, Trinity of Life, we spend a lot of time trying to educate people in uh, the ways of natural healing and combining that with Western medicine, which I guess is also another form of original natural healing. I want to talk to you about uh, drugs and herbs and spices and things like that for a few minutes, because even though you, it sounds like you're backing away, I'm sure you still use a few of them. And I know that there are people out there using many of these things. They hear something on the street or in the gym or from a friend, and they go out and buy something and start using it. I know that in Western medicine, although I have some minor issues with the Food and Drug Administration and minor issues with the pharmaceutical companies. In reality, I'm very glad they're both there doing good jobs. Uh, When I write a prescription for somebody for something, I usually know that there's quality control and the person is getting exactly what I've ordered for them, unless, of course, there's a contamination or some foul play somewhere. But for the most part, uh, the person is getting... Uh, exactly what they're supposed to have, and they have a direct dose. When you use herbs or when a person uses herbs, how do we know that the quality of those herbs or spices or what we find in the markets is good for us and it's exactly what is supposed to be there? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I wish we had better quality control. I don't want the FDA to take over our herbs and our natural supplements. I think that would be a really bad idea. I have a little more than minor problems with the FDA and the pharmaceutical industry. But again, I'm, I'm glad we have pharmaceuticals. I'm glad I can take my thyroid every day. I'm glad my father can inject his insulin. You know, we have a lot of really great uh, pharmaceuticals and drugs right now that we didn't have 20, 50, 100 years ago. Thank God for antibiotics and antivirals and some of the cocktails people with chronic disease are are able to take. I I so appreciate that. Um, And I wish, you know, the herbal industry and the natural supplement industry was regulated a little more across the board. You want to look for high-quality companies. And to me, when I recommend either natural supplements or vitamins and minerals, I really encourage people to go to an actual health food store. You know, to me, if you're getting it in your big box store where you're getting a giant tub of like 5 million vitamins for buck 99, <laughs> probably not the highest quality. You know, and if it's also, if it's a company that's making dog food tampons, trash bags, and hairbrushes, you want a company that is dedicated to nutraceuticals, and uh, there are some really great ones out there. I love Standard Process. I love Nature's Way. You know, there's some really great things. Uh, you want to try to get them from organic, whole food sources if possible, and you just want to be smart about it. You know, it doesn't have to be the most expensive, but you do typically have to spend a good amount of money to get a high-quality supplement. And Ask questions. You know, uh, I'm also not a huge fan of multi-level marketing, and I know a lot of people have what they claim to be these amazing supplements and the newest 
juice fruit thing from South Africa. And, you know, I, I just don't like that, um, that system of getting it out to people. Uh, so, you know, if you're into that, that's, that's totally cool. Uh, but it's not necessarily means it's the best supplement. So just be smart about it and do your research and, and really look at the company and see if there's been complaints, see what their inner quality control is. And, uh, I think you can make a a good choice that way. Now, do you have any websites that you look at for research? No, because I tend to use the same brand of products over and over again. Um, like I said, I love Nature's Way. Um, Dr. Christopher did some really great herbs, and I can't remember who took that over now. It might be Nature Made. Um, his herbs were phenomenal. Um, uh, standard process. You can actually go visit the fields where they grow all of their plants to put in their vitamins and their supplements, and they do all organic whole food sources. Um, that's not multi-level marketing, but you do have to get that from a provider. You can't just go into a store and buy that. You have to get that from a doctor, a chiropractor, you know, a, a supplier in that way. Um, but there's some really great stuff out there. I just, I know I've been sticking to the same companies for so long. I haven't researched anything else. You know, you brought up a number of good points, as always, and one of the things that's important to me that you said before, as an example about the St. John's wart uh, and its effect on birth control, I think that's one of the important parts. Aside from doing the research of the uh, herb, you also have to be aware of the medications that you might be on and uh, see where the complications or interactions may arise. And a lot of times the Western physicians who are starting to get more and more aware of some of the more common drugs like the St. John's Ward, uh, you know, and uh, a number of others. But uh, I think that's the uh, an area that everybody really needs to research, especially if you're on medication or if you have some kind of an illness, just to take something because it's supposed to be good for that. You have to be very careful. Yeah, definitely. And there's a couple issues that, that go hand in hand with that. One of which is you're right. I mean, if I went to my my primary primary care physician right now, who is, is an awesome Western medicine doctor, by the way, and I said, hey, I'm taking this herb and this herb and this herb, his eyes would go blank and he'd gaze off into space. He would have no idea what to do with that information, um, which is unfortunate because I would need him to know that. Um, the other issue is the majority of people who are using natural medicine don't tell their physician. And I think that's bad for a couple reasons. One of which is you want them to know what you're taking. So if God forbid there's some kind of interaction or if there's some weird issue or if you would need emergency surgery and if you're taking an herb or uh, a high amount of vitamins that would affect things like blood clotting or heart rate, you want them to know that. The other thing is we really need to speak out and say, look, I'm doing natural medicine. Uh, You know, when they take surveys, they estimate how many people are taking vitamins and how many people are using this and this and this. I think it's really underestimated because people aren't telling their physician. They're afraid they're going to get laughed at. They're afraid they're not going to understand. They're afraid they're going to be made to feel ashamed that they're trying something that's natural. Uh, My father was in a really, really bad car accident, and I had suggested that he take some homeopathic arnica to help with the bruising, to help with the muscle pain. And I wish he would just trust that I know what I'm doing, but you know, I'm just the kid. The PhD doesn't matter. So he goes to his doctor. <laughs> he goes to his doctor and says, "My do-, he had the little vial of homeopathics, and he says, my daughter wants me to take this. And his doctor glazed over and went, 
I don't know what that is. Ask the pharmacist. And I'm thinking, oh, no, don't ask the pharmacist. He's not going to know. So my dad goes to the pharmacist, holds up the vial, and says, my daughter wants me to take this. The, the pharmacist knows nothing about homeopathics at all. Not one lick about homeopathics. Looks at the container and goes, oh, no, no, no. This is sugar. You can't take this. You're diabetic. <sighs> I'm like, but, oh, and so my dad didn't take it. Uh, And it was so frustrating to me because their ignorance about it kept them from getting a modality that would have been perfectly safe for him that would have helped his healing. And I just, I found that so irritating because they didn't research, they didn't look into it. They glanced at it and went, no, 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 it's bad for you. Um, And I see a lot of that. And then my dad went, okay, I'm not going to take it. So... You know, there's this multi-level, this multi-fold issue of educating people, and we're getting there. We're moving in the right direction, but there's still so much just blanket ignorance about it and naivete, and and I'd love to see that change because there are so many things that could help people if they just had the knowledge of it and the access to it. Hmm. I think it is changing a little bit. I see in doctor's offices when you fill out forms now, they're not just asking about your regular medications. They're also starting to ask about vitamins and supplements and a number of other things. And I would also add uh, from an emergency medicine point of view that if you do show up in an emergency department and they're asking you about your medications and you are taking herbs, that's a really important point to be very honest about that because we need to know those things. Somebody that might be taking ginkgo biloba as you suggested before, may have effects on clotting, for example, and, and bleeding. So we would need to know those kind of things. And it works the other way, too. The more times that a person shows up in an emergency department or in a doctor's office and says, I'm taking these things, uh, at some point, doctors really want to be on top of uh, the learning curve. So a lot more doctors will then go and start doing their own research. So I think that there's a part where people that are taking these can help the process along by being more straightforward about it. So that's a good point, Kathy. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's working. I used to get really, really bad (laughs) migraines. um, And they did all these tests, couldn't figure out what was causing the migraines. It ended up, of all things, being the birth control pill. So as soon as I got off the pill, my headaches went away. But in the meantime, they put me on Cafergot and, you know, all these different medications for it. And I found that taking Feverfew every day really helped my migraines. And at one point, I went back to my primary care doctor. This was years and years ago down in uh, Los Angeles. And he said, how are your headaches? And I said, you know, they're so much better. He said, well, what are you doing? I hesitantly said, well, there's this herb. And he goes, really? What is it? And I said, well, it's called feverfew, and I, I, it's a tincture, and I drink it in water you know, pretty much throughout the day, and I, I've really seen a drastic drop in my headaches. And he goes, fever, what, what is it? And he writes it down. He started prescri- not prescribing that, but he started recommending that to his other patients with migraines to see if it would help. That, to me, was such a phenomenal physician because he took what I said, he saw it was working, and he decided to let other people try it too. There was no side effects. There was no risk. Um, and he saw some really good results with it. So that was exciting to me. And this was decades ago. So, you know, there are physicians open to that. Uh, and if it's important to you to have your Western medicine practitioner be a part of your natural medicine life, then choose carefully. You know, it's okay to switch doctors. <laughs> you know, you're allowed to do that. Of course, with these new regulations, I don't know if that's allowed, but, uh, you know, you have the ability to make that choice. And if you're dissatisfied with the care you're getting, whether it's natural medicine or Western medicine, 
find someone that works for you. Find someone that's really there for your benefit, that will listen to you, that will help further your healing. That's why they're there. We're facilitators. That's true. I also, you know, reflecting back on the emergency department uh, again, one of the things that's important as a physician in helping people to heal is to have an understanding of their own concept of healing. And the more things that we have in our toolbox, uh, the better opportunity they'll have for healing. So there would be many times that I would, in my working up uh, a patient at the time, would find out their belief systems. And there would be people that would come in and say, I need an antibiotic for my sore throat. Other people would say, please don't give me an antibiotic. I don't want any antibiotics. I want something more natural. So the more things that the physicians have, um, and part of that, again, is based on conversations with people like yourself that have healed from things. The more things we can offer people, uh, the more they get healed and the more they want to keep coming back and doing the right things. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about uh, how someone tunes into their body from a natural healing point of view. Uh, you said before, you know, you got to check in with yourself. And when you're taking medications, uh, you have to see just like you took the horseradish and you immediately saw that something bad happened so that you tuned into yourself and tried to come up with something. How do you suggest from a natural healing point of view that a person exists in life tuning in and checking to see how their body is at all times? You know, that's a great question. And I oftentimes have people come into my office and I'll say, how are you feeling? Okay, fine. Well, then why are you here? Clearly there's something wrong or else you wouldn't be standing in my office. And I really have to dig and dig and dig to find out oftentimes what their underlying issue is. Or I'll say, where is the pain? They go, oh, somewhere over here. Um, We're really um, disconnected from our bodies. And I think we pay more attention to our cars than we do our own vehicle of our body. So we can explain to the mechanic, oh, you know, when we go uphill in the rain on a Tuesday, it goes click, 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 click. Notice that. But we don't notice when our own body is breaking down. And I think one of the ways we can do that is to just be present with ourselves. And that is so difficult these days. We used to actually have to have quiet. And now we have a computer and a phone and a music player and everything in our purse, in our pocket. You know, you're standing in line at the grocery store, and rather than taking five minutes to either daydream or fantasize about something or stare at the silly magazines on the rack, we're right in our phone and we're typing and we're, you know, we're so distracted. We don't have to have silence. And I really miss that silence. Now, I'm guilty too. I'm the first one to jump on my phone to check email. But there are times where I leave it in the car and I don't have that with me so that I can go inward and see how am I feeling? How is my body feeling? How are my emotions feeling? How is my spirit feeling? Am I happy today? Am I frustrated? Does my leg hurt? How is my hand doing? Are my shoulders tight? We really have to analyze that because then when you show up at my office or your doctor's office and they say, how are you doing? And you go, uh, that doesn't help anybody. (laughs) We can't help you heal if you don't even know what's going on. If you don't even know what's going on, how can we prescribe uh, an herb, a pharmaceutical, uh, you know, a physical therapy if you don't know what's happening? Um, we are not cars. We have a lot more movable parts, and we also have the ability for feedback. You know, the car is easy. The mechanic looks at certain things and then fixes it. We aren't like that. We have to be integrated to our own healthcare and our own bodies. So I think taking just a few minutes a day, just closing your eyes and going... 
how do I feel right now? And I'm you know, listening to my own body right now, and I'm feeling a little chilly because I'm sitting under an air conditioning vent that's blowing. Um, my left shoulder's a little bit tight. Um, I didn't sleep particularly well, but I feel pretty okay. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm doing pretty good today. We don't even, and how long did that take? What, 15 seconds? Taking that time every day is going to be so beneficial so that if something is starting to really chronically go wrong, you can chart that. I can't tell you how many clients I say, when did this start? And they go, oh, I don't know. They don't even notice when the pain begins or when the discomfort happens. We have to notice these things. It's so important to be part of your own health and healing. And, and I think silence and going inward is the key to that. Don't you think, um, Kathy, that a lot of people, what I find is they, they, they don't want to look at it. They fear it. They, mm-hmm. you know, some, it's because um, it shows signs of aging, possibly you know, which is a huge uh-huh. stigma still in our society. You know, every time, you know, I know people who are in their 30s who are already scared. They go, oh, we're getting so old now. <laughs> and and I just think they, they just would rather not even face it. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I totally get that. It can be very scary, but we have to, <laughs> you know, it's either, it's either face it now or face it later. And, you know, it's the thing, you know, the rock kicks up and hits our windshield and we go, oh man, and you see this little chip. And every day you get in your car and you look at that and you go, oh, I got to get that fixed. And mm-hmm. then it rains and then it freezes and then it starts to grow. And, you know, you come out in the morning and your entire windshield is shattered. That's not an uncommon event. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have dealt with it when it was the little chip. And to me, it's the same way. And, and I look at that very strongly with the mind-body connection of, you know, when things are going wrong in our body, oftentimes it's an indication that something is emotionally and spiritually out of whack for us. Um, and if we don't pay attention to those little things, it's going to grow and grow and grow. If we don't pay attention to the, you know, the acid indigestion in our bodies from the stress, will it grow into an ulcer? If we don't pay attention to the kidney stones, will it become some form of cancer? Or will it, you know, it's, I've seen this time and time again where people aren't present for the little things and it grows into the big things. Mm-hmm. And just to use a silly example of being human on this planet, how often has our spouse or friend done some stupid little thing and we, we ignore it and then they do one other stupid little thing and they ignore it. And the next thing you know, six months later, we're screaming at them because they left their shoes in the middle of the floor and they're like, what are you yelling about? Well, we're yelling about the past six months of behavior. <laughs> it builds up. It's, and I'm actually the one that leaves my shoes in the middle of the floor. So I'm talking about me. But I'm not, my, my, my husband's watching. He's like, I don't leave my shoes. That, that would be me. Um, but, you know, we have to deal with these things when they're small because they do build up, whether it's emotionally or spiritually or physically. So I think we have to look at that. And it can be very scary. You know, you find a lump. Do you want to know? Mm-hmm. You have to. I mean... You have to, um, or else how do you treat it? Mm-hmm. And if you decide you don't want treatment, I mean, that's a whole other issue. I have some older clients who have been diagnosed with cancer said, look, I'm 87. Um, I'm going to deal with pain management, and then this is, gonna, this is what's going to end my life. I'm totally okay with that. But you know, we need to know what's going on in our bodies, I believe. We need to know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I concur with you. <laughs> is, uh, and, and what's really interesting, too, is, is it's almost like, um, you know, I'm quite immersed in the Asian society or community here in Los Angeles um, because of where basically my son goes to school. And so a lot of these people are the immigrants coming from Asia. And what I'm finding, which is really very interesting to me, you know, I mean, Chinese medicine, the herbs, the 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 tinctures, the the teas that are made and created, 
What's so interesting is that it seems to have been a huge shift where even this generation um, of individuals, I would say, you know, in their mid-30s, possibly early 40s, they turned to Western medicine well before the herbal medicine because of some societal or cultural stigma that they have, like some, the Western world will offer something better. And, and what's interesting is I find that when I am, you know, at the school and my son is coming down with a cold and I give him a homeopathy, you know, those little white pills and the teachers are all looking and go, what are you giving him? I said, Oh, just a little homeopathic, you know, and, and it's like, well, what is it for? I said, well, he's been sniffling and he's got a lot of phlegm and mucus coming out. And it's like, well, what is that? It's like, it's homeopathic medicine. It's not, it's like taking a tea. It's like taking an herb. And it, what's interesting is the reactions are, are were, or have been, um, like, it, almost very split. It's like, well, why don't you take him to see the doctor? And it's like, well, I I don't feel it's necessary right now. And we go through this whole routine. And what's interesting is now we've been in the school for a year and a half. What it's interesting is because they see his health and how stable his health is, um, and these little sniffles and mucus and everything come occasionally, I find that there's a core of people now who are always asking, well, what are you spraying on his hands? Well, it's just, you know. It's it, it, it's just essential oils all mixed together to protect him from germs. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, so next thing I know, I'm making all these tinctures for all these people now <laughs> for their children. But it's that balance that yeah. it seems like from one end of the the culture was so into the herbs and the pulses and everything, all the way over to the Western medicine. Now it's it's like where's that fine balance that that uh, we almost need to bring back where where I've been explaining exactly what you've been saying about the combination of both. If you have an infection, you you might want to consider an antibiotic, but balance it. Balance it with these soups or these teas so that it strengthens the body and it keeps it strong at the same time. So it, it, I think it's a, a process that that so many societies have to go through right now to understand that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I completely agree with that. It, it really is um, exposure, and it is education. And when I was living down in Los Angeles, I worked in a law firm, and I had a whole camera case full of herbal <laughs> tinctures, because I didn't have anything else to put it in, a whole camera case of herbal tinctures and homeopathics. And it got to the point where everybody would say, what's in that bag? Because <laughs> I'm constantly carrying this thing around. It looked kind of ridiculous. And I saw it's herbs and you know tinctures and, and homeopathics, and it's kind of my medical kit. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. You know, this, this very high-end law firm in Beverly Hills looking at me like I'm nuts. But one day, one of the attorneys comes in, and he goes, you know what? I've got a depot today, and I've got a raging headache got anything in your And I went, well, let's look. And, you know, I started doling out <laughs> just like you are, you know, these homeopathics and these herbs and these, you know, um, because 
they started to see, like you said, my level of health and how much it was helping the attorney down the hall. Um, so it became this this education forum of this very um, kind of medicine woman of the village thing. And there were some attorneys that were you know very embedded in Western medicine. They would never dream of doing that. But others that saw what it was doing to those around them, and they really um, they really started to put credence in that, which is mm. it's phenomenal. And it is about that education and that place of balance. Um, I have had so many parents come to my office and say, my kid is dealing with ear infection after ear infection. Isn't there an herb you can give him? Say, how much milk is he drinking? Mm-hmm. And they're stunned that I know that. And they're, oh, he drinks milk all day. And I say, okay, well, you know, he might be having an issue with the milk. You might want to try taking him off of that before I put something on top of it. Oh, well, he likes the milk. Can't you give him an herb? Right. Um, Looking at natural medicine the way we do Western medicine, which is a pill for every ill, and natural medicine first, I mean, you want to get rid of the things that are causing the problem. Then you want to add back in the things that we need that we're not getting. Then let's put stuff on top of it. So to me, you eliminate the issue. You eliminate the milk. Or you know, if you're having a headache because you're banging your head with a hammer, taking Advil is not going to help you got to stop banging your head with a hammer first or else the Advil's not going to do anything. Um, or try horseradish. That's to secure everything. Um, so, but I mean, there's, there's that education and there's that assumption that, you know, I've had people show up to my office and expect all their pain to go away in one session. Oh, my God, I'd love that. That would be awesome. I would love to have the power, my superpower to do that. But it doesn't work that way. It takes time and it takes dedication and it takes knowledge and patience. And and I think we're, again, moving in that direction. And it's, it's shows like this and people like us who are exposing, you know, the people around them to these things that are, are moving this forward. And I find it incredibly exciting. <laughs> Ah, uh, the balance. <laughs> That's why I sit on my ball. I get to balance. <laughs> I want to stay in the uh, tuning into the body a little bit more. There's a few more aspects that I want to get your opinion on. <clears throat> when people do get sick, at some point they start thinking to themselves, oh, I better go get some blood tests. You know, I'm not feeling well. Uh, or go to the lab, something like that. But there's many things that our body uh, produces that can give us our own information at home as we're trying to tune into ourselves. Do you have any thoughts on uh, bodily productions and fluids and excrements, et cetera, <laughs> in terms of tuning into yourself? Yeah, I think when we talked about this before the show started, we really have to look at what's coming out of us. I mean, I know that sounds really kind of gross for people that aren't used to doing that, but if I'm starting to feel congested at all, which doesn't normally happen, I tend to be healthy pretty much you know, most of the time, just because of the way I, I care for myself and the mind-body thing. Um, but if I start to feel congested, I blow my nose. I look, I want to see what that looks like. Is it clear? Is it uh, like egg white? Is it um, thick? Is it yellow? Is it green? All of these things that our body is trying to expel indicate to us what is going on in our body. And uh, for anybody that's a parent, and, you know, again, we talked about this before the show, you look at what that baby just expelled to see what their health is like. So turn around and look and see what just came out of you, folks. It's it's part of you, <laughs> you know, and it is an indicator of health. Um, does your sweat really smell? How is your breath? There are certain illnesses that have a really specific odor to them. And uh, we were talking about strep throat the other day. I was watching one of the, uh, like, mystery ER things, and a kid came in with really high fever and a sore throat and swollen glands. And I said, oh, it sounds like strep. And I said, smell his breath. 
I'm talking to the TV and my husband looks at me and he goes, why in the world would you smell the kid's breath? And I said, strep throat has a really specific smell to it. Same thing if people are starting to have a diabetic crisis and you can speak to that better than I can, Dr. Woman, don't they start to like aromatize the sweet, there's a sweetness to their breath uh, oftentimes. So, you know, once you smell this stuff once, you go, oh, I know what that is. Um, and it's important. That's, you know, that's all aspects of our body that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, and I think getting back to your first question, yes, the ketones are produced in the mm-hmm. body that have that aromatic smell that sometimes is very flavorful. Acetone, people know that smell. Kerosene sometimes has, you know, there are certain smells out there. But I think one of the other things that is very important in this process is to do it when you're healthy. Check things when you're healthy so that you know what your stools look like, what your urine looks like, what it looks like after you've taken a multivitamin, what it looks like without a multivitamin, what it looks like when you're dehydrated or overhydrated. So that once you have a baseline and a normal, that's how you can determine and indicate, wow, this is abnormal. And you're the first person that can see that and get something more quickly uh, to your herbalist or your. Uh, natural healer or your physician. So very important, I think, to check on yourself, not just when you're sick, but first start doing that when you're healthy so that you have a baseline. Kathy, I want to go over a few treatment suggestions uh, from a natural healing point of view just to uh, see what you would do. And this is still the flu season. Uh, People are getting common colds right now. A lot of people I know that have upper respiratory infections and a lot of congestion, things like that. Do you have a uh, treatment for the common cold or the flu, either in prevention or afterwards? Yeah, definitely. There are so many things you can do. Um, I'm a big fan of the neti pot. So flushing your sinuses at the first sign of something, or if you see a lot of people around you who are sick, if it's allergy season, flushing the water in and out of the sinuses really helps keep um, the allergens and the viruses from sticking around in there. So that's a great tip. Um, Olive leaf extract is really good for this issues. Um, I really love the homeopathic oxalococcinum. Uh, it's my favorite. And to me, it's, uh, I call it the homeopathic flu shot. Um, it comes in a teeny little vial. It's all the little sugar pills. If you're diabetic, it's okay. Um, so take a little vial of those. I, I find that that just really just flushes it right out if I feel something trying to take hold. Um, of course, we want to wash our hands, you know, uh, but in the balance with that is you don't want to get too paranoid about germs. You know, we really do need to be exposed to some of this stuff so that our immune system knows what to do with it. So if you get too paranoid and too stressed about it, uh, you're just going to contribute to your illness uh, because with the stress comes that stress response, which actually depletes our immune system. Uh, and that I'm really a big fan of, you know, with all the mind-body medicine work that I do is affirmations and visualization and affirming things like, I am healthy and well, my immune system is strong and resilient, mm. to me is a better choice than, oh, I hope I'm not getting sick. Oh, don't get me sick. Oh, I think I'm getting sick. You know, we're, we're contributing to that by saying words like that. And then I'm a big fan of visualizing our immune system and visualizing those white blood cells maybe rushing up to the throat to get rid of the sore throat or um, 
I tell people I have a little construction worker that runs around my body and he fixes things for me. So mm-hmm. I send him to where he needs to go and he's got his tool chest and his tool belt and he um, takes care of those things for me. I, I do really elaborate visualizations and I find that I heal so much quicker than most do and I really rarely, if ever, get sick. Excellent. I would, I would suggest, though, one of the things that we see with the neti pot is... And my suggestion, I don't know if you agree with this, is to use it when you feel like you're exposed to something, as you just said, rather than using it every day just because you have it. I think we've seen, we've started to see some changes in the nasal mucosa of people that use use the neti pot every single day. I would think that it should be used when appropriate. Your thought? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and the other thing that I have found, and if if I'm already congested, if my sinuses are completely clogged, the neti pot doesn't do a thing. In fact, it seems to make it worse. And one of my, I cannot stand feeling of having completely stuffed up sinuses. I'll take nausea. I'll take a headache. I'll take. I cannot stand the feeling of being stuffed up. So to me, the neti pot would just make that worse. Um, and the other thing that you want to do is you want to make sure you're using purified water. Um, there were two or three very unfortunate deaths a couple of years ago from a gentleman that used contaminated tap water in their neti pot, and they actually got a parasite in their brain. It was a big mess. Um, now, that's probably not going to happen to you, but still, you do want to use purified water in your neti pot and not just regular tap water. Uh, good point. Speaking of uh, nausea, how about, I know I know that in one of your personal interests, uh, you're a scuba diver, you enjoy scuba diving, so what about mm-hmm. motion sickness, seasickness, nausea like that, there, and including, there are many people that are real fans of scuba diving that go to other countries because there are great reefs. And some of these countries, for example, might have malaria in the area and they have to take a medication for the malaria and that can affect them in their scuba diving. Any thoughts on all of that? Yeah, for nausea, I mean, ginger is a common common fix for that, uh, whether it's morning sickness or uh, seasickness. And I've been on a lot of boats where a lot of people are getting sick. Luckily, I don't have that issue. Uh, but yeah, ginger is great. You know, they do sell these... Um, little uh, motion sickness bands that you can wear on your wrists that I see a lot of people wearing or the little metal dot that goes behind the ear. You know, you have to experiment with that. Uh, That's the other thing with natural medicine is because we're so biologically individual, some things work for people where it doesn't work for other people. Um, I'm a big fan of airborne, which is the, you know, oh no, I'm getting a cold kind of let's take this effervescent tablet. And some people doesn't do a thing for them. So you kind of have to experiment with this stuff. But yeah, ginger's great. Peppermint tea is fabulous. Um, I'm a fan of vinegar, again, for nausea and an upset stomach. You have to, you know, don't do that if you have an ulcer. Um, Going to other countries, taking probiotics before you go and digestive enzymes can be really good because one of the reasons I think we get sick in other countries is we're exposed to bacteria that we're not used to, but the people that live there are. Uh, So getting your body primed to accept that kind of stuff with things like probiotics and digestive enzymes, I think can be a benefit. How about menstrual cramps? Magnesium. 
It's my favorite mineral. I'm yeah, I have a favorite mineral. Um, magnesium <laughs> is great, and I think so many of us are deficient in magnesium. And I, I just recently did a radio show with the Magnesium Association of America, and their estimate is that sixty to seventy percent of us are deficient in magnesium, and most of these are women. And chocolate is really high in magnesium, which is why before our periods we crave chocolate. We actually well, okay, we want the chocolate, but we want the magnesium too, which is why we have that craving. Um, so making sure you're getting enough magnesium. It's also good for sleep, mood issues, constipation, um, muscle cramps, menstrual cramps. If you're waking up in the middle of the night and bouncing around the bedroom because your calf is cramping, try taking some magnesium. Um, I just don't think we're getting enough of it. So that is my go-to thing for menstrual cramps. Uh, interesting. And also for you, you brought up uh, leg cramps. A lot of people have cramps mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Use the same thing, magnesium. Yep. Some people take a, like a CalMag or a calcium-magnesium combo before we, they go to bed. Mm-hmm. I think we get a lot of calcium, and taking too much calcium isn't good. You know, it can cause kidney stones and clog the arteries and bone spurs and, you know, da 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 So I'm just, I'm a fan of magnesium. And, and if you exercise, um, you know, making sure you're getting those electrolytes back, you know, we're sweating out. It's not just water that comes out of us. It's all these other minerals. So if you're running, if you're dancing, if you're swimming, and you, you don't think about it when you're swimming, you're kind of sweating even though you're in water. Um, you want to make sure you're getting those minerals back in. And there's a, a powdered electrolyte I like very much called Ultima that has the uh, potassium, magnesium, sodium. It's grape, you put it in your water. Um, and I actually find, find that while I'm in dance class, my muscles are more relaxed and I'm not as prone to getting like tight calves if I'm drinking that during class. It's, it's really made a difference for me. What about uh, perimenopausal symptoms, hot flashes, weight gain, mood swings, anything there? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know, they, they talk about eliminating anything that's white, so white bread, white flour, white rice, making sure you're having the healthiest diet you can. Sometimes I think uh, that a lot of the, the um, not only PMS, but also the menopause symptoms, I think, we're, I think we're juking ourselves out with that. I think we're setting ourselves up for failure a lot of times because we hear all these other women talk about, you know, the curse, and you know, it's the worst time of my life, and I had this, and I had this. And it's almost like they're um, <laughs> waving a magic wand and saying, I got heavy and hot flashes, so you will too. And there's almost this sisterhood of horrible <laughs> symptoms. And and I think, you know, I, we want to. I, I totally understand we want everyone to experience what we're experiencing, even if it's bad. But I, I do really think a lot of it is mental. And you know, I've not gone through menopause. I'm not there yet. So maybe I'll change my mind in in 15 years. But but I I, I do believe we have this huge ability in our on our minds to program our physiology. So I think if we're going into a stage in life where we're dreading it and we're so sure all this bad stuff is going to happen, I think our bodies are only too happy to oblige. So I think, you know, keeping up with uh, really good multivitamin and taking our magnesium and maybe it's time to meditate. Keep up, Keeping up your exercise really makes a difference. And also for women who are going through menopause, I encourage you to examine your relationships because this is a time of change. And I, I've seen multiple women in my practice who, you know, their sexual drive just goes to pot and they don't want to be touched anymore and they're having truly physical issues where they can't even have intercourse, I have to wonder about the strength of the relationship. Um, maybe it's time to examine that and and really look at the intim- intimacy issues other than physical with those people around you. And that's something that, that you know, we can do and, and maybe that'll help with the physical aspect of it. 
Mm. I'd like to schedule you now for uh, when you're having going through menopause, and we'll interview you live, <laughs> and we'll we'll play the other show right along with it and Perfect. see if anything has changed. So I speak- expect I expect to have a scot free menopause. I expect to have no particularly bad symptoms from it. Yeah, I love those affirmations. Yeah. We're speaking I'm right with, with you. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel the same way. I expect the same thing from myself. <laughs> although although even when I go through menopause, I probably will still like chocolate. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're speaking with Dr. Kathy Groover, a licensed uh, massage therapist, Reiki master, author, and public speaker. And we're coming to the end of our show, Kathy. And we alluded to a health tip earlier. And now is the time. Can you share a health tip with us? And this will be uh, in our 2014 health tip show. Perfect. This is a threefold health tip. So I want people to really do the best they can eat the best food. You want to put things in your body that are the highest quality. They're going to be the most nutritious for you. I want to, uh, us to really think about exercising our bodies. We aren't moving enough, and there's so many movements now, no pun intended, movements now to get us moving more, whether it's play 60, and they're trying to incorporate all these things in with our kids. We have to move our body. So it's an issue of what we're putting in and what we're releasing with those calories. And then the third thing is watch what you're putting in your mind, whether it's what you're being exposed to in the outer environment or what we're thinking ourselves. Uh, we can be our own worst enemy when it comes to um, negative and degrading thoughts. You know, there's enough pressure from the outside. We don't have to do that to ourselves. So good food, good exercise, good thoughts. And if you stick with those three things, you're going to see improved health. Mm. Uh, beautiful. <clears throat> Christina, any final thoughts? Oh, I just love those three health tips. <laughs> <laughs> now we all just got to go out there and live by it. <laughs> That's right. I'm grateful to our very special guest, Dr. Kathy Groover, for sharing her wisdom and expertise and experience with us. I want to thank all of my healers and teachers for allowing me to be in my journey and thanking Christina and Segovia and all of Yoga Hub for continuing to put on Magical Medical Tour. And, and as we search uh, each week in another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy, until the next time, I wish you all optimal health. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Kathy, for another wonderful show. I can't wait to get you back. And I'm not going to wait till you go into uh, <laughs> perimenopause. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Again, a wonderful show. And of course, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. I'd like to remind you that you can connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him on Twitter, at Glenn Woolman, and of course through his own site, glennwoolman.com, where I encourage you to learn about his metaphor, Square Breath. You can also connect with our guest and actually book an appointment. I can't wait to do that myself with Dr. Kathy Groover at the alternative medicine cabinet.com. The alternative medicine cabinet.com. 
And again, we are always grateful for any feedback and any comments that you might like to leave us. Um, you are very welcome to leave it through our site. Uh, if you have any questions for our special guests or Dr. Woolman, uh, we will definitely make sure we get back to you. Or you can call us directly at 818-LET'S-TALK, 818-LET'S-TALK. And be sure to leave us your name and contact information so that we can respond. And we look forward to this 2014 to bringing you five new shows here on YHTV. Um, and we, please look out for it. And we are ramping up as we begin recording our shows and sending them out there for you. So enjoy. We wish you a wonderful 2014. And again, thank you so much for your support during the, our finals of the uh, ninth annual podcast awards. We will again uh, start ramping up for that at the end of the year. So look forward to, to uh, connecting with you on that as well. Until next time, many blessings. Namaste. Namaste.